0: promised is that great is your
1: If it's going to really be this high. Death
0: could not hold
1: Again, what a powerful Monday morning, despite the uh, YouTube commercials, because we are not going to pay YouTube to not have commercials. We'll just say not today, Satan. Now, we could uh, download those videos and show them to you, uh, but that would just take us getting in here earlier, doing some more editing, and, you know, I don't mind it here and there. Um, I think it's very important to start out, just like you start out when you go to church, with devotional music in the morning, I think it's uh, it's a way to really kind of shed off the outside world while you're starting to have fellowship uh, with the people that are inside uh, the walls of that uh, congregation. Here, inside the walls of this congregation, are inside the parameters of your TV, and we have this fellowship in the uh, in the live chat. But I think it's very important that we, you know, we have that devotional music playing the piano, praising to God. I think it kind of really gets us all on the same page and lets us push out the world, kind of reject, uh, what the, uh, the devil and, and, and the demons of this world that are all around us. Uh, they're trying to, uh, force on us. It's a way to kind of reject that and kind of all come together and, uh, and, and get on the same page. And I think it's important that you do that in church. I think it's important that you do it here. Um, and it really kind of gets me in the mood, especially if we've got a good song. You now, guys, remember the song that we had on Friday that get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Come on, get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Let's go. That kind of stuff. It really kind of gets my Holy Spirit alive in the morning. And, you know, makes me remember that I'm rapture ready and, and to stay focused and to stay on that, that, uh, that narrow path. And here we go, guys. It's Monday. It is another, it was another week. Uh, T Green says, please pray for me. I was in a car accident. I'm fine. Just need prayers for peace of mind. Mental images that haunt me. Bless all of you. We will definitely keep that in our prayers. Um, Splendor Face said, Jeremy, I tried to find the song that you played on Friday, but I can't. Do you know that I also told my uh, kids about it too, and they tried to find it and they couldn't? I guess God just directed me to that song that day. That, um, because it was that special, right? Um, a long weekend at the Harold household. I know it's probably a long weekend where you guys are too. Um, but I'll tell you what, I had to break open the book of Job this weekend in my house. I had to break open the book of Job this weekend because, um, Satan is working overtime And we need as much scripture as we can possibly muster up. We need as much faith as we could possibly muster up because this year is going to get harder and harder. And we're going to see the institutions and the safe havens that we have uh, built in this society. We're going to see it crumble in 2024 and we're going to need God uh, more now than ever. So I felt attacked this weekend uh, Scotty said, this is for Eli and his wife. Dinner on me tonight, Eli. That was nice. You know, as people keep looking out for us, Scotty and so many others. Thank you for that. We appreciate you. God bless you. Um Moore said, I found it. Carol can you put the link in the, descri- in the uh, live chat? It's okay. We'll leave it there. It's LFA related. So if you found it, put the link in there for everybody else. We would appreciate it. Or put it in the lower section. That way, everybody has access to it later on. That would be great. Um, so, yeah, this weekend, you know, the, well, really this last, what, Eli, a couple weeks, three weeks, the devil's been hitting my family hard. Um, you may or may not know. And so I really needed to, to open up the book, of, uh, the book of Job this weekend, which we're going to read from today. Now, also, the websites, JeremyHerald.com, the newsletter, and LFATV.us, Um, might be down today and tomorrow because we've been attacked so much. We're migrating it to a different security, uh, a different server, a different um, group so that we can have 24 hour security uh, at the utmost level on our sites. So if you try to go to jeremyharrell.com and leave a donation today or LFATV.us or try to order any of the clothes, you may not be able to do so just because of that fact. Um, the other day when we did the border coverage show we were attacked more times in one day than we were attacked the previous week. So somebody somewhere is trying to stop LFA TV and we know it all links back to the devil just like all the problems in the White House link and our government link back to Barack Obama. So and uh, isn't it funny how they how they're kind of like, you know, interwoven Obama and Satan. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, today today's show is titled If Only Now, what can I be talking about? Well, we're going to go to the book of Job today. But before we do, we're going to go to prayer. It's 17 minutes past the hour. Let's get into this show the way we should get into this show and put God first place. Amen. All right. Here we go. (sighs) Lord and Heavenly Father, while the devil continues to try to attack us and Give us a burden that is so heavy that it weighs our hearts and our souls. We know that we can come to you every minute of every day and ask you to lighten that load, to take that brick out of that backpack. We also know that we have your promises that you will do so if asked. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. You promised us that you would be with us, that you would be our staff, you would be our light, you would be our armor and you would be our protection and every single time that I need you, you fulfill that promise. This weekend I needed you and you fulfilled that promise. This weekend I didn't know how I was going to make it to today but you fulfilled that promise and showed me exactly what I needed to know which I'll bring to the LFA Rise Up family this morning. Lord, there are so many people out there suffering car accidents, medical issues, family problems, work problems, physical problems, spiritual problems. Lord, we ask that you cover them today in a hedge of protection and love and let them know that they can lean on you as I did. And we pray this in the name of Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. All right. The book of Job. Let's get into it, shall we? Now, for all of you who don't know about the book of Job, I'm about to give you the breakdown from understanding the 66 books of the Bible written by David Jeremiah, which is, I just think, a great, a great, uh, Eli, what is that called where they use a name, a pseudonym? where a writer uses a name that's not their name, isn't that what's called a pseudonym? Alias, or alias pseudonym. Well, obviously this is a pseudonym or an alias, David Jeremiah, but put the two, put the two together and you've got something incredible. Uh, but we're going to read from the from this, explaining the book of Job. But before we do, let me give you my own explanation of Job, okay? If you're talking about a sinless man, the only name that you can ever utter is Jesus of Nazareth, Yeshua, Yashin, Emmanuel, thousand different names, but you know who I'm talking about. But if you're talking about people on this earth in the flesh who are about as close to sinless as you can get, Job would be one of them. Now, Job is a human, so he was born into sin and he obviously had committed sin in his life. But Job walked a God-fearing, God-filled, Holy Spirit-filled life. He obeyed God. He obeyed the commandments. Job was not a hypocrite. Job gained wealth, wisdom, love, compassion, family. Uh, His business was booming. Oh, that's his real name, Linda said. Wow. Wow. I didn't know. I thought that was a pseudonym. That's his real name. Wow, David Jeremiah. Well, I looked up, and, I, and, I, and when I looked up David Jeremiah, there was a bunch of people saying that, that that name was a pseudonym, so I just figured it was. I didn't dig too deep in it. He's a Baptist pastor. Yeah, I knew that. But I, I just thought that that was maybe he changed his name to that uh, to, for writing and stuff like that, but that's his real name? That was his birth name? Learn something new every day. It's what I love. But if anybody in the world didn't deserve what happened to them, I'd say Job was it. Pastor David Jeremiah is very well known, says Linda. Pastor of Shadow Mountain Church in El Cajun, California. Been to his church many times. Yeah, I knew he was on TBN. Yep. Yep. Miranda says, the book of Job made me cry. Apologist William Lane Craig observed, no logical inconsistency has ever been demonstrated between the two statements, God exists and evil exists. In fact, the presence of evil actually demonstrates God's existence because without God, there would be no moral foundation for calling anything evil. Frank Turex talks about that. Ray Comfort talks about that. If there's no level of moral compass, then you can't just take it from people because people are flawed, right? He's right. Nevertheless, the question of evil still vexes us. And it is difficult to explain the presence of suffering in the world. All of us occasionally ask the question, why? The book of Job addresses this issue head on. As the book opens, we learn more about human suffering, but by its conclusion, we also learn a great deal about God's sovereignty. The outline of Job is easy to follow. The first two chapters are prologue, in which we're introduced to Job and his his disasters. Chapter 3 through 27 are dialogues in which his friends reasoned with him about his suffering and suggested that he had committed secret but serious sins. Now, This part, when I'm reading this part last night, I'm like, look at this, you know, his friends are there. They come to be by his side, but they're giving him bad advice. And it's a good, good message for all of you Christians out there who are having a hard time hanging out with the friends that you always hung out with. Now, this this doesn't mean that you completely excommunicate them out of your life. Maybe that's the way Jesus leads you on your journey. I don't know. But I do know that even your Christian friends can give you bad advice. Even your friends that believe the same thing that you do about God can give you very bad advice. And, And Job's friends they did that. And Job was trying to, to, to let them know, look, if I have committed these serious secret sins, I don't know about them. And if you know about them, please enlighten me. Tell me what you know, and I will admit, I will confess, but I don't know these serious sins that I've committed. But even though he didn't know and wasn't, and was basically having an argument with his friends, he was still willing to say, but God is sovereign and who am I to question him about it? Who am I to bring God to court and say, prove to me that I did something wrong to deserve what you're doing to me? That is what the devil wanted Job to do, was curse God and blame God. So did his friends. They wanted him not to curse and blame God. They wanted him to drop to his knees and beg God for forgiveness for the things that he'd done wrong. Job is saying, look, I don't know about all these things that I did wrong. If I did, tell me, please, and I'll fess up to it. But even though I didn't do all these things that you think maybe I did, I still have no recourse in this. I still have no recourse of action here because I can't go to God and say, how dare you do this to me? So I will just wish that I'd never been born at all. And die in my suffering. Because I'm not even worthy to bring this to God. Pretty incredible story. Chapter 28 through 42 are set of monologues. Mainly by Job and God. And the final paragraphs of the book compromise an epilogue. In which Job's problems are resolved and his wisdom is deepened. Righteous people like Job do sometimes suffer and the devil himself is often behind our troubles, but God can be trusted and we must learn to walk by faith rather than sight. If you're facing difficulties today, remember the statements of Job words of sheer, but splendid faith though. He slay me yet. Will I trust him? I know that my redeemer lives now. Let me just give you um, an overview of what Job is feeling right now. Okay. Okay. Even his wife, even his wife was basically telling him to turn his back on God because God clearly didn't do what he wanted, him, what he thought that he always uh, deserved or the life that he lived or everybody thought that either Job did something wrong and that Job should say he's sorry or he should confront God about it and say, what's up, bro? What are you doing to me? I lived this good life. Everybody gave him bad advice. Now, do you want to know What Job was going through at this time, he had lost everything. He had lost his job, his business, his wealth, his money, his children, his family, his workers, his servants, his cattle, his sheep, his livelihood. All gone on top of all of that. On top of all of that. He was covered in worms and insects and bugs and sores and festering skin issues to the point where his friends didn't even recognize him. He was scraping off scabs and boils and 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 and, and, and rotting skin with a piece of hard clay from a pot, like he broke up some pottery and used clay to scrape off these boils that the devil was bringing upon him. Now, look, ladies and gentlemen, we've had some rough times in our life, haven't we? I have had some very rough and tumble times in my life, but guess what? My wife was not, my, my, my children were not uh, murdered, basically by the devil. My family was not taken out. They weren't crushed under the weight of the building. There was no fire that burned them up. There was no attack that killed everybody. I wasn't left completely alone watching everybody around me die and be taken away from me while I'm getting these sores and my flesh is rotting and I'm becoming this unrecognizable monster where I'm in physical pain daily and there's bugs and worms crawling on me. I've never been there. Job was. Job was there. Job uh, Job lived that life. Job went through that stuff and still never cursed God, but not only didn't curse God, not only didn't blame God, but said, whatever you do to me, I don't know what I've done to deserve it, but I'll accept it because who am I to question you? And then when he did utter complaints. God set him straight. Didn't he? God set him straight. Bad moon. Who, or was it bad moon? Bumblebee, any lesser man, including me probably would have killed himself. 100%. Oh, a hundred percent. They would have committed suicide going through a job went through. And the moment Job let out any kind of utterance of a complaint God was like, excuse me, excuse me. And this is what I love about Job, the book of Job. This is what I love about it. It shows that a father and a father's love is disciplinary. We know that a woman's, a mother's role and a mother's love is one of nurture and nature, where a father's role is one of guidance and discipline, doesn't change. Now God embodies all of those beautiful roles, but one thing that God makes sure he does, he's very strict. He's very to the point. There is no blurred lines. There is no confusion. And he's going to tell you what you don't want to hear. And he's going to put you in your place as who are you to question me? That is what I love about father God. That is the kind of father that we are supposed to be. And unfortunately, women of this world, Children of this world and woke globalist societies have taken the role of a man and beat it down to nothing and weakened it to the point where fathers and men and heads of households are afraid to be just that. My own daughter is questioning hierarchy. My own daughter is questioning a man's role versus a woman's role because my own daughter is starting to to see the feminist crap of the world That tells her that if a man says that he is above you, that is wrong. Understanding, though, or not understanding my daughter, not understanding that a man uh, being head of household and his role is, quote, above a woman doesn't mean that he is better than her and he treats her like a slave. She doesn't understand the Hebrew and the Greek meaning of the hierarchy of men, women, child, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, men, women, child. And that's what's going on. We must, as Christians, we must live within the boundaries of God's law. And just because we might not agree with, well, I don't know if that should be the way it is. It's not your, it's not your choice. It's not your, your opinion about something And whether you think that God should or shouldn't do that, or whether he should or shouldn't have done that, or whether Jesus should or shouldn't have done that, is not your call. You are not the center of the universe. You must live within the word of God, period, or you're going to have a lonely, depressed, unsatisfied, unfulfilled, full of holes life, period. I said to Eli right before we came on, I said, do you know that women that live in traditional households where they understand the role of them and their husband and their kids and they live within that God given role are the happiest people on planet Earth? And I guarantee you, no woman would ever say, I feel like I'm a slave or a servant and my husband tells me what to do. No, they'll say, I feel like a queen or a princess and I feel cared for and loved and provided for. I have a great life because of that. You ask anybody who lives that traditional life, I guarantee you they'll tell you that, man or woman. And they won't let anybody tell them otherwise. Just like Job was not going to listen to his friends or his wife When he knew otherwise, and give in and either A, curse God, or B, say, whatever I did, please, please stop all of this. I didn't do anything. Job just cursed his own life. I wish I was never born. I wish I was never born. I wish my mother's knees never would have received me, said Job. Now, as I'm reading through the book of Job, and as I'm trying to take my own problems and stop making them mountains when they're literally molehills, the book of Job puts everything into perspective for me. Man, does, he put, does that book put everything into perspective for me. Makes me feel this big. Makes me feel so incredibly selfish for complaining or being upset about anything that's going on in my life. As I'm reading through the book of Job last night, um, you you know, when you're reading through the Bible and you're kind of like you're reading and you're comprehending, but you're praying at the same time. I don't know if you guys do that, but that's kind of like what I do. Like if I'm like, sometimes I'll be reading and like something will jump out, jump off the page and it will uh, it'll kind of inspire me to remember something or while I'm reading and still comprehending. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of registering what I'm taking in and I'm registering the memories that it's bringing up or I'm registering what God's trying to tell me while I'm still reading and comprehending. And at the whole time, I feel like I'm in prayer. When I sit down by myself to read the Bible, I feel like I'm in prayer. I feel like I am actively praying even if I'm just reading and comprehending. So, while I'm reading this last night, I'm at I'm in uh, Job 9 at this point. I'm in Job chapter 9. And I'm getting to the end of Job chapter 9 and boy, did I get smacked in the face with something. So much so that I instantly brought tear, it instantly brought tears to my eyes and I said, "Sabrina," she was in the other room. I think she was making dinner at that time. I said, Sabrina, you got to hear this. She stopped cooking. And we, you can see from our, like you can, there's an opening from our kitchen to the room I was in. And so I, she stayed in there and she goes, what's up? And I read her these verses. And I said, I don't know how I never saw this before. God is speaking to me right now. And I need to tell you what I just read. And I read her this and she started crying. Now, let me ask you a question. How long before Jesus did Job live? Now, we know Job is after David. We know it's before Psalms, but it's, and we know the Bible is not a chronological book in, 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 in every fashion. We know that there's some chronological order there. But I was like, when when did Job live? Like, where was he in the, in the, you know, the pages of the Bible? Well, he was after Solomon. He was after David. But he was way before Jesus. Does anybody know offhand? Because I don't. I didn't look this part up. How many years before Jesus' birth was Job? I know that there's somebody in here that's, more theologically uh, educated than I am. Starman said, Paul said, walk in the spirit and you want fulfill the lust and you won't fulfill the lust of flesh. Amen. Amen. I see a lot of people talking to each other. Does anybody have the answer of how long before Jesus was Job? TJ says, "I was finally able to take my Christmas decor down." Yes, God is good. Job was the first book written. Know what that means? Fifteen hundred years ago. If Psalms were written, one thousand years before. Job was alive in the days of Noah. Oh, okay. So it was Job was after day it was after Samuel's after Chronicles after Kings. But what year did Job live? Like 2000 years. That was something that I didn't look up. He was before Abraham said faith 1500 years before Jesus. That's what I wanted to know. How many years was he? 1500 years. Is that, is that what the consensus is? I believe Job lived before David. Yeah, he came after he came after in the Bible. I'm saying he came after if you're looking for him chronologically in the Bible, he doesn't come until after kings, after David, after Samuel. But I didn't know when he lived, lived. Job lived between the flood and the time of Moses. Many scholars place Job in the patriarchal period. Around the same time that Abraham lived, Genesis eleven twenty-eight and twenty-nine. Okay, so now we're putting perfect, perfect. Job was written two thousand B.C. All right, perfect. So now we know how far along Job was, ago, how far before Jesus Job was. I just wanted to establish that so that we, because chronologically the Bible is not in order. You know what I mean? You'll read one thing from one year and another thing after that from a year way before that. So some of the Bible is chronological. A lot of it is not. So I didn't know what year it was. 1668 years was Job before Jesus. Okay, perfect. Now let's get into this. I want you to open your Bibles. If you have them, if you have them handy to Job 9, 32. Job nine thirty two. That's where we're going. Believed to be one of the oldest books in the Bible. Now I know what you meant by first written. Okay, you guys all there? Job thirty. Uh, Job nine thirty two. Sixteen hundred and sixty eight years. Wow. Okay, so sixteen hundred and sixty eight years are the better part of two thousand years before Jesus. Job said this. He is not a mere mortal like me. That I might answer him. That we might confront each other in court. And this is the part that brought tears to my eyes instantly. If only there were someone to mediate between us. Someone To bring us together. He's talking about him and God. So that this terror. Would frighten me no more. Then. I would be able to speak. Without fear of him. But as now. As it stands now with me. I cannot. That blew my mind. That blew my mind. That was like a silent prophecy. Now, I know that that's not a full-blown prophecy, but is that not talking about Jesus? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but is he not foretelling the coming of somebody who would do that? Is he not somewhat foretelling of, if I only, if only I had this mediator, Let me read it again. He is not a mere mortal like me that I might answer him, that we might confront each other in court. If only there was someone to mediate between us, someone to bring us together, someone to remove God's rod from me so that this terror would frighten me no more. Then I would speak up without fear of him. But as it now stands with me, I cannot. Folks, he was asking for Jesus. Before he knew what Jesus was, he was praying for a a mediator. He was praying for a go-between. He was praying for the way, the truth, and the life. There is no way to the Father except through me. And only after he uttered these words, if only did God... Literally speak to Job. Only after he prayed, if only there was someone to mediate between us, then I could do it. Who is that someone? Who is the only mediator between us and the Father, the Creator? It's Jesus Christ. And this was the better part of 2,000 years before he was here. Now, we know he was here. We know he was here before the earth was formed. But as far as Job is concerned, he's praying to Jesus. Not Muhammad. Not even God. He's praying for somebody to mediate, for somebody to take his words to God because he's not worthy to do it. Not in this capacity. Only after He said, if only someone did God come to Job and scold him. What an incredible revelation that was last night. What an incredible revelation. Blew my mind, made me cry. The reason why it made me cry, A, is because I never really read it like that before. I always just read it like the guy saying, if only I had this, but you know, your walk with Jesus changes you over time. You start, it starts speaking to you in a different way. And it spoke to me last night, just like that. And I was like, whoa. And as I was praying, as I'm reading Job for a specific reason to make me feel not so attacked, to make me understand what I need to do in the face of adversity with my family going through so much right now, God answered in the most simplistic way way that you possibly could, and he gave me the most obvious answer that all of us know. You want relief for your family? You want these attacks to end, and if they don't end, at least help you grow? Well, then you need to be taking this to Jesus. You need to be involving Jesus more. Clearly, you are not. Because if you were, you wouldn't be acting like a Job. And I just was floored. And I'm still floored. And as a matter of fact, I was going to do like a, uh, like a live social media clip last night. Like as soon as I, as soon as I read this to my wife and she was tearing up and I was tearing up, I grabbed my phone. That was the first thing I did. I was trying to clear my eyes. I was getting ready to do a video and I said, you know what? I'm going to continue to read and I'm going to talk about this tomorrow. Blew my mind. Job knew he needed Jesus before he knew who Jesus was. Job knew he needed somebody in between. Job knew that he could not take this problem to God because he was too fearful to accuse God of doing something. Like he even said before all this, when he's talking to his friends, this God can move mountains without us even knowing about it. He he stops the waters. He's the one who created everything and said, here's your boundaries. This is where you stop. I'm going to go to God. Are you kidding me? I'm going to go to him and, and, and complain to him about what he's doing to me. If only I had somebody like a Jesus. Well, you did Job and you prayed to him. And when you prayed to him, that is when God revealed himself to you. It's really incredible. It really is incredible. All right, folks, we've got, it is Monday, right? So we've got a Monday morning Ray comfort video for you. So I hope so far that this Bible study is helping you. I hope it's helping you um, understand that when you have troubles and times of fear and whatever else going on in your life, that you can open up Book of Job because the Book of Job will make you feel humble real quick. (laughs) Real quick. Folks, Comfort Monday.
2: Okay, I'm going to ask you something really personal. Can you handle that? Maybe. What about you? I'm sure. Do you get pleasure out of lusting after women? Sometimes. If I see a girl I like, I mean, maybe. What about you? Do you get pleasure out of lusting after women? I wouldn't say pleasure just because, like, when I lust after someone, like, I feel gross. You mean your conscience condemns you? Yeah. You know what's morally wrong? Is that what you're telling me? I feel like I'm making someone uncomfortable and, it, like, it makes me by proxy. They don't even know about it. When you look at porn, they don't know about it, but you can get pleasure from it. Am I right? Yeah. You think lust is morally wrong? What do you think God thinks of it? I don't think lust is inherently morally wrong. That's like a just an instinctual thing. It's just so what, you're a primate. You want to procreate, and that's your primal instinct. That's what we are. That's what we do. Do you respect Jesus? If I knew Jesus, I would respect him. I respect what he what he did based off of the the book. Yeah. yeah. Do you respect Jesus? To a point, yeah. This is why he's so hated. Firstly, he said the world hates me because I testify of its deeds; that they're evil. And here is probably one of the most hated things he ever said. He said, whoever looks upon a woman to lust for her has committed adultery already with her in his heart. Did you know that? Yeah. Did you know that? I think so. So how are you going to do on judgment day when God brings out all your sins as evidence of your guilt? Go to hell. I'm going to go down. What about the other commandments, lying and stealing? Have you lied and stolen? Yeah. yeah. Ever use God's name in vain? All the time. Ever use the name of Jesus and Jesus Christ in cussing? Once or twice. What about you? Uh, Quite a few times. Isn't that amazing? Only one person in all of history has ever had his name used as a cuss word, and it's the one who said, the world hates me. So, guys, you've blasphemed, you've lied and stolen, and you've committed adultery in your heart. Have you had sex before marriage? Uh, yeah. You had to think about it for a minute. What about you? Yeah. So, you've told me you're a lying, thieving, blasphemous, fornicating, adulterer at heart, and you do have to face God on Judgment Day. If he judges you by those Ten Commandments, you're going to be innocent or guilty. I'm going to hell. Like, yesterday. Like uh, what about you? going right behind him. Does that concern you? I mean, it doesn't concern me in my day-to-day life. I'm content in the fact that I know I've sinned a lot in my life. So if I was going to hell, I'm going, I'm going to hell. Man, it horrifies me. I don't want the, my worst enemy to go to hell. Have you heard what the Bible says about it? This just, weeping and gnashing of teeth and pain and suffering. This life has got enough pain without ending up damned in hell. Have you ever heard the Bible verse, the wages of sin is death? Sounds familiar. It's saying God is paying you in death for your sins. Like a judge who looks at a criminal who's committed murder and laughs at the electric chair. The judge says, I'm gonna show you how serious your crime is. I'm giving you the death sentence. This is your wages, this is what you've earned. And guys, sin is so serious to a holy God he's given you the death sentence. You're on death row. You're waiting to die, and your death will be evidence to you that God is deadly serious about sin. And you know what God did for guilty sinners so we wouldn't have to go to hell. Got crucified? How can that help you 2,000 years after it happened? Here you are under God's wrath, heading for hell. How can the death of Jesus help you? I don't know. What do you you think?
1: Um, I think definitely that the sacrifice he made is why we can live the life we live today.
2: Well, let me share the gospel with you. And this will change everything for you guys. If you can get a grip of this, you'll never be the same. The 10 commandments are called the moral law. You and I broke the law. Jesus paid the fine that's why he said it is finished just before he died he was saying paid in full if you're in court and you've got speeding fines a judge will let you go if someone pays those fines you say you're guilty but you can leave because someone paid your fine and it's legal well God can legally take the death sentence off you and let you live forever all because Jesus paid that fine in his life's blood and then rose from the dead and defeated death and all you have to do to find everlasting life is repent of your sins, turn from them, and trust in Jesus. Put your faith in him like you trust a parachute. If you're gonna jump out of a plane 10,000 feet, why would you put on a parachute? Oh, uh, cause I don't wanna die when I hit the ground. Yeah, and your motivation is fear. And that fear is your friend, not your enemy, cause it's making you put on a parachute. And guys, because I love you, I've tried to put the fear of God in you today. I've tried to make you scared, hoping you'll see that fear is your friend, not your enemy. Because it's doing you a favor, it's making you serious about God. It'll bring you to the foot of the cross where you'll find everlasting life. Can you hear what I'm saying? Yes, sir. You're going to think about what we talked about? I am. What about you? Oh, definitely. So when are you going to repent and put your trust in Jesus? I feel like I'm not worthy of that if I do that. Sons, you're not worthy. You're a wretch like me. You're under God's wrath. And if he gave you justice, you'd be damned. That's what grace is. It's unmerited favor. Have you heard the song Amazing Grace? I have. What's the word? Do you remember? Uh, amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. Come amazing on. Grace, how sweet the sound that Save saved a wretch like, like me. me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. So you're not worthy, I'm not worthy, but God is good and kind and extends His grace towards us because He's the lover of our soul. Does that make sense? Yeah. Makes sense to you? Yeah. And the miracle of being born again is that God will take your heart, which loves to sin, and He'll give you a love of righteousness. That'll be your own personal miracle because God will give you a new heart with new desires. Any of your family Christians? Uh, yeah, my, my whole family. Yeah, and they're all praying for you and today's an answer to their prayers. Can I pray with you guys? Sure. What about you? you? You happy? Let's bear in prayer. Father, I pray for these two young men that they will consider their secret sins and find a place of genuine sorrow, that they'll understand the cross, that you extended your love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And this day may they truly repent, be born again, given new heart, new desires, with the knowledge they have everlasting life all because of your amazing grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Can I give you a book I've written called Scientific Facts in the Bible? Sure. You too? Yeah. I'll give you a Gospel of John and a little booklet called Save Yourself Some Pain, which are principles of Christian growth.
1: I think I may have gone this way. I've, met, I've like, I read through it in, like, just in passing time through my classes.
2: Living Waters exists as a non-profit ministry to help you grow in your faith. Here are three things to help you do just that. The Living Waters Podcast, the Evidence Study Bible, everything you've ever wanted to know about the Christian faith, and the Starter Kit, for our most popular gospel trials.
1: Yeah, you can order all that stuff, and just like James O'Keefe's citizen journalist, you can actually be a citizen of of heaven and have these... um, You know, these goodies, these gospels to give out when you go places, have them in your car, have them in your truck, have them in your purse, whatever it is. Ladies and gentlemen, I think the moral of today's show is Job cried out to Jesus before Jesus physically walked the earth. Even though you and I know that Jesus has been here since the beginning of time, and even though Job would have at least had some kind of a a thought process of the the God coming and saving uh, the world from evil. He didn't know who Jesus was. He didn't know about Jesus of Nazareth. And he was crying out to the one who is the way and the truth and the life. 2,000 years before he walked the earth. That to me, ladies and gentlemen, is mind-blowing Incredible and wonderful. So, before we end up leaving today, since we just read from Ray or watched Ray Comfort, I'd like to read this next part of his book, How to Bring Your Children to Christ, which I am working so incredibly hard to do right now. A good friend once called me and said that he had been offered a movie deal but had a problem with his part of the script. The storyline was wonderful, but as usual, in a romantic movie and included with a passionate kiss. He would get $100,000 for his role in the movie, but he said, I won't kiss another woman like that. And besides, what would my kids think of me if they saw that movie? He turned down the part not only because using a stand-in would still have had an appearance of evil, but because it could have undermined his testimony of the gospel. I greatly respect him for taking this stand. Think of it. Could you bring yourself to to kiss someone other than your spouse for 10 seconds for $100,000? The incident reminded me of a story I had. I heard of an English prime minister who during a dinner leaned over to the woman seated next to him and asked, would you go to bed with me for a million dollars? She answered, I would think about it. He then asked, would you go to bed with me for $1? She widened her eyes and said indignantly, what kind of a woman do you think I am? He replied, Madam, we've already established that. Now we are just negotiating the price. For what amount of money would you prostitute yourself? What price tempts you to compromise your Christian walk? $100,000? $1? God is not impressed with the amount, and neither should we be impressed or even tempted. Each of us should have the mindset that we wouldn't compromise our integrity and cause our children to stumble for any amount of money ever. That's something that we should tell our daughters and our sons for that matter. I'm put some music on while I read this. The Christian life is one of self-denial. We are to deny ourselves the pleasure of sin. It is all too easy to sit back and feed on movies that are filled with sinful excitement, but the key to resisting temptation is the sight of Calvary's cross. Did you see the movie The Passion of the Christ? As I watched the crucifixion scene, my palms began to sweat and I started to hyperventilate. It was so brutal. In most movies, violent scenes are over in a moment, but in The Passion of the Christ, it went on and on and on. While there are some artistic license taken in a movie... The brutality was based on what actually happened to Jesus of Nazareth. The Bible says that he was marred more than any man and was bruised for our iniquities. The cross should be ever before us, and the result will be an an identification with it. Those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the passion and the desires. It cost the blood of God's only son to purchase our redemption. How then could we willfully sin against God? After such a display of love. To do so would be to despise his sacrifice. We therefore must be determined. To put to death our sinful desires. And no longer stand in the path of sinners. Ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank you for being here today. On this episode of Rise Up. Mike Crispy comes up next. God bless each and every one of you. Keep God first place. And remember. When you're in times of troubles. Think of Job. Read Job. And remember that even he cried out to Jesus before he even knew who he was. And you have that opportunity right now. I love you guys. God bless you. I'll see you at Mike Crispy's show, and I'll see you for two hours at 11 o'clock. Have a great morning. Rise up.